Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by my lovely co-host, Shelly. And we are in the frozen tundra here in Canada today. But Shelly, I've always said we're international. We get guests from everywhere, especially interesting guests that write really good books. Absolutely. I'm very pleased to introduce a return guest who's agreed to come back and talk to us again. Jan Tegza, who is the author of Job Search Guide, Be Your Own Career Coach, and also world famous author of the number one book for recruiters called The Full Stack Recruiter. Welcome back to the show, Jan. Thank you. And thanks for having me again. For those in the audience that maybe didn't catch your last episode when you were with us, would you mind just giving us who's Jan and a little bit about what part of the world you're living in and why you decided to write another book? Okay, so I've working in the recruitment industry for probably 17 years or even more. I stopped counting after 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm living in Czech Republic, that is part of Europe. It's a small country with 10 million people, and we are famous for beer and hockey. Those will be two <laughs> things that will make us famous in the future too. And why I decided to write another book? That's a very good question, but there is a simple answer. First of all, I like to share with people. I like to write. That was one of the reasons why I decided to start writing a new book. And I'm going to publish in the near future a few more for sure. But why I start writing or decided to publish the job search guide, the reason is simple. Lots of job seekers always contact me with questions. Uh, they are always asking me to help them during job search and just copy pasting some text somewhere or sharing it uh, through articles is something that is not enough. So I decided to write a book from recruiter's standpoint of view, basically share all the information about the recruitment industry, all those tips, tricks that will help job seekers to get the advantage on the market. And I also decided to create a newsletter that is connected with that book where I will be updating and sharing additional information because I also don't want to publish the book with a thousand pages. I just want to publish something that will help job seekers to be more effective during the job search and also understand how the recruitment industry works. So what are the reasons why their application was rejected or why they were not invited for interview, how the interview process looks like, what are the steps, what you should expect from each step. And I also divided the book into several parts. One of them is dedicated to interviews, for example, for interviews with chatbots, with AI tools, hiring managers, or via Zoom, via phone, etc., at least to give them some kind of understanding what is going to happen, what should they expect, and what might be the questions that might be asked during the interview. So I was trying to bring some guide that will basically help them to land the dream job. At least that's what I hope. (laughs) 
reading part of the book, there is main lessons that we have for job seekers. Do you mind going through those four main lessons and we can dig in deeper? There's the truth to build a job seeker. Secrets no employer wants you to know. Yeah, I want to dig in on some of these. Okay, so you probably want to know the secrets, right? I wish I have all the answers. Regarding the truth about the job market, there is lots of things flying around in our industry. Coaches, they are basically telling you, you need to have your resume on one page. You need to stuff it with the keywords. Any ATS system is basically going to reject you if you do not do that or have those keywords in your resume. I basically decided to cover all those myths and also explain how the market looks like and what is really working. Regarding the second part, secrets non-employees wants you to know, well, you need to buy this book and read it and you will (laughs) discover all those secrets. Good answer, Uh, John. But basically what I shared there is how recruiters are working with the hiring managers, what the hiring managers are expecting from the recruiters. And I know that sometimes candidates are mad that we are not moving anywhere with their application, but often it's not us. It's the hiring manager who changed the mind, relocated the role, decided to wait for their friend or ex-colleague. So I was basically describing those I don't want to say secrets, because if you're working in the industry, those are not secrets for you. But for job seekers, they might be. I was trying to explain how the industry works and cooperation between recruiters and hiring managers works because this is something that they don't see. The third part is why the resume is not working. And that's basically connected with all those myths, like you need to have one pager as a resume and it's going Mm -hmm. to work. That's complete nonsense or like a robot proof templates. They are offered by people who work for companies like Facebook, uh, Apple, Google, and they're selling that for crazy money. They usually start with, hey, this template gets me to Google or Facebook. But if you check the other companies where they work, that was basically like Google, Apple, Facebook, Tesla. So it's easy to get the job with that resume, but not everyone is working for those companies before. So I'm trying to also debunk lots of those things. Why you should be not focusing on how or what kind of words you're going to stuff into your resume, but you should be presenting the knowledge that you already have or highlight the skills or achievements, especially. This is something that is super, super important. You know, people don't highlight their achievements in the resume. And uh, this is something that recruiters and hiring managers are looking for. If you are sales, for example, if you're working in sales and you're a sales Mm -hmm. account specialist, and you mention, hey, I work as a key account manager and I'm working with international companies, it's saying nothing. But if you add, I beat the quota three times this month or this year, that's completely different thing. And the fourth part is dedicated to how to unlock your potential. Because I believe that you need help from somebody who you can trust somebody who knows the industry, and somebody who can help you. It's not just the money-grabbing scheme. Hey, buy this template. Here's the flyer with 10 things you need to do, and you will get the job within 24 hours. That's not how the world is working. And also remind people that, you know, leaving the company, then you shouldn't be burning bridges because you never know when you meet your ex-leader or ex-colleague somewhere else. Looking for a job is a full-time job. But one of the things that will help you a lot is networking. You should take any opportunity or anything that is going to happen in your life as a networking opportunity. 
because the people that you will meet during your life are those people who might be calling you or recommending you to the new role, new position. I help hundreds of people, you know, outside my work, my friends, their family members to help find a job. And not only it's rewarding, but it confirmed lots of the things that I put in the book. And before I publish it, I shared it with 20 people who are seeking a job. I was providing that content and asking them to read it. Luckily, majority of them were successful and find a job. I believe those two that didn't find a job within the time frame that we put for ourselves, it was like two months. I'm pretty sure that they didn't read that, <laughs> but uh, who knows? So do you know what strikes me, Jan, if I may, is there's this assumption that it's different in Europe or it's different in the US or it's different in South America. But as you speak to each of these pieces, it is identical to the experience of job seekers in North America. This belief that you need to have a template or there's some magic formula when, you know, what you're saying is you need to emphasize those accomplishments and not trying to trick the reader into yep. thinking you're something that you're not. That's never <laughs> a good idea. Never. But it really does strike me because as you came on and started talking, it was like, wow, first with the beer and hockey, you know, <laughs> we're like, no, that's Canada. That's the same experience job seekers have here. Yeah. So do you think most people realize that, that this is universal? Lots of people believe that their location is unique and specific. And there are some specifications on some market, but we are living in a global world when basically mm -hmm. we all have a LinkedIn, right? Or majority of us. And everyone is using LinkedIn the same way. You have mm -hmm. a picture, you have your career, you have education, and that's universal for every single location. The only differences are your notice period, because if you are leaving a job in the US, you have, I believe, two weeks. If yeah. you are leaving the job, for example, in my country, Czech Republic, you have two months, and there are differences. Yeah, yeah, you have two months, and plus the month when you give a notice. Oh. And I was lucky enough to get the experience from many countries around the world. I was hiring people from Australia, Korea, Japan, Singapore, India, Malaysia, entire Europe, Africa, South America, Canada, US. And there are not many differences because everyone is looking for a role or job where they will be treated fairly, paid well, and also something that will bring them some kind of purpose. And yeah. the resumes are very simple or same. There are also some differences in some location. People are adding keywords and the name of the technologies just based on the books they read, not about the hard skills. Some people are trying to add more achievements or carry objectives they are putting into their resumes. In some other locations, people do not do that, but the resumes are quite similar yeah. because they have the same information where you work the company name job title the length of the work yeah. so jan i'm gonna put you on the spot here because <laughs> like you i have always set aside at least maybe two or three hours a month to help a job seeker whether it's with the resume or getting them on the right path because as recruiters i think we always need to be 
plugged into what the job seeker experience is. So tell me, I get asked this all the time. How do you trick the applicant tracking system? (laughs) Well, there is one amazing hint. First of all, if I'm applying for a role, I'm checking if I'm eligible or if I'm meeting those requirements. That will be the one trick because there are so many candidates that are applying on anything that is close to the title that they would like to get. Uh, But the goal is not to trick applicant tracking system, but create the resume in the way that they're appealing to the person who will be checking. So you mean a human reads it and not the computer? No, there's an honest (laughs) belief that the computer or their software somehow is reading your resume and rejecting it. Oh, that no. is honestly In, what they are told by these yeah. career coaches. They, those career coaches, they would like to sell you the the amazing template and you will pay $120 or so. I don't know the price, but probably something like that. People don't realize the application tracking systems are going to reject them only if, for example, there is a role that needs to help citizenship. And if you do not have the citizenship, one of the questions that is asked uh, during the, uh, the application form. Question. So l- let me tell you this. The majority of questions in those application forms are poorly created. Not explaining sure. enough information to the job seekers. They are basically lying, even that they are not lying by how they understand it. If they are not native speakers, some of those questions could be viewed differently. You can use some fancy word that majority of non-native speakers do not know. And at that moment, people will probably select the wrong answer based on the requirements. Honestly, it's all connected how we treat job seekers because there are so many companies out there not providing any feedback. If you apply for a role, let's say hundreds of companies and only two give you the feedback, there is a problem because At that point of time, you just go and automate everything. And there are so many companies, they are trying to add more AI into the process. And again, I'm not saying that is the wrong approach, but they completely trying to get rid of the human element. And people would like to speak with people. That's what we want. Those candidates would like to speak with recruiter or high manager and convince them that they are the right person for the job. And there's also lots of bias with the names. People and recruiters are projecting people based on their foreign names. And they don't even check that they're already working in the country. They are citizen. Those are the things that I'm also trying to change. That's the reason that the next book that I will be publishing will be dedicated to diversity. And I spent almost two years writing that because I would like to explain people not just, hey, diversity is important, but also why the diversity is important, how the diversity influences the entire company, your work, your life, and how to define the qualified candidate. Because for everyone is the different thing. And that same goes with the requirements that you can see on job boards or career pages. And let's face it, all those requirements, it's like wish list for Santa Claus, like, hey, I would like to get the person with 30 years of experience with that technology or that product, ideally for the price of someone who has two years of experience. And also it would be great Uh, if they can speak 27 languages. So we as recruiters should be working with our hiring managers to simplify things, to help job seekers expand their chances. But we also expect that 
job seekers will be applying for a role if they are fit. 30%, sometimes even more, of people applying are not suitable for the role. These are the things that I try to explain in the book. And I know that it will not you know, change overnight, but at least I hope the book will help to some people to find a new job and to make their life easier during their job search. I'm glad we talked about career coaches because there is a battle out there between recruiters and career coaches. Recruiters are coming across a lot of candidates that have received really bad advice. One that we talked about is the ATS is rejecting my resume, which it does happen. Let's not be completely naive. There is potentially 5 to 10% of companies that use ATS that have some type yep. of AI matching that reject candidates. I see other advice like... Keyword stuffing. I've seen resumes that are keyword stuff. They put the font in white so you don't even notice it, thinking it's going to bypass something in the ATS. And recently, I've been doing a lot of research on cover letters, and I'm reading two different stories. I'm hearing recruiters are like, I don't look at cover letters, or I rarely do. And then you have career coaches be like, you need a cover letter because recruiters absolutely need it. Like there's a disconnect. So are cover letters still a thing? And secondly, do career coaches actually help people when it comes to uh, job seeking? Yes, they help people, but they help themselves. That's the first thing. Those Instagram, TikTok, career coaches, they're helping themselves. The reason why they are pushing forward with the amazing cover letters it's pretty simple they will charge you extra <laughs> that's the reason or you can get a package that includes one hour with them resume review and you will get that amazing template for the cover letter i don't believe in cover letters i describe in the book how to create them but i also tell people like not every recruiter is reading them when my girlfriend she was reading the book she was like you are talking about two things mostly during the entire book networking and the personal brand. And I told her, yes, because if you have a good brand and you are very good in networking, will not search for a job for months or weeks. Mm -hmm. People will be reaching out to you and offering you a job. Network is, is important because if you meet with the right people, you will get the right opportunities, but it will also give you the opportunity to help others. The primary goal is to help people and to help job seekers. I wish we as recruiters, we don't have the bad rep as we have, but there are also lots of recruiters who don't care about being a recruiter. For some of them, it's about the money or, hey, I'm just doing this job and I want to do something else, but I need to spend year or two so I can move to HR or... Oh to... my God. I knew you were going to say that, Jan. It's the universal pet peeve of you're only doing this as a stepping stone into HR. Because if you're truly committed to talent acquisition recruitment, then you'll stay. Usually... HR is the last place you want to be. If you really absolutely. like talent acquisition, there's no way you want to go into HR. <laughs> it's absolutely true. The real sad part is organizations, and tell me if this is the same in Europe, this person who really never wanted to be in recruitment is now your business partner. And if there was one part of their career path that they hated the most, it was recruiting. And then that person through the years ends up being vice president of human resources and recruitment is still crammed underneath them. 
And it's because of the companies. And I will tell you why. Because if you start as a recruiter, you are excited. I'm excited to find those people. And then after a year or two, when you start understanding the market, how the companies are working, then there are layoffs. And who is the first group of people who are fired? Recruiters. And are you going to find some different job like in sales, marketing, or in HR? When companies start hiring again, probably second part of 2023, they will be looking for recruiters, right? And they will be hiring people from the market without any knowledge, without any experience. Yeah. And within a year or two, they will start understanding the company, the process. They will learn how they should treat candidates. Mm-hmm. And layoffs happen. Basically, it's a vicious cycle. And I know that I'm a recruiter and I know that it's going to backfire when people will be uh, hearing this. But I believe recruiters are one of the most important people within the company because we are bringing the people who are building the company. We are bringing people on board who are making all those amazing things. And when I started my career, I had like zero clue how to work with the people. I was learning hard way, but I never had the person who basically shared everything with me. And it was also the reason why I wrote the Full Stack Recruiter to have a book that I will give to recruiter as I know that they will probably not going to get the proper training. And if you understand, or if you want to understand recruitment, you probably need to spend at least five years in the industry. Agreed. So you understand the small nuances, how to become a business partner for your hiring managers, external, internals. And lots of people will not survive five years here because after two, three years, they are let go and would like to go back to the industry where they can let you go within a year or two. No, you will choose HRY because they consider it safer field. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, you never hear lots of news about HR being fired because usually those are people who are firing people and they're fired in the second, third wave. That's the problem with our yeah. industry. We are killing the talent by not keeping them, cultivating them within our companies. But it's like, okay, I'm going to hire somebody else. You are constantly onboarding people who should be the most important people for your company to attract the top talent. I had a really interesting conversation a few days ago. I spoke with a candidate. I start my, you know, hey, I'm calling from this company, etc. And he stopped me like, hey, I know you. And I was like, oh my God, did I meet that person somewhere? <laughs> and he was like, no, no, no. I know you from LinkedIn. We like know each other, but we don't know each other. Uh, I was mm. like, okay. Fair enough. And again, you are also building your personal brand as a recruiter. That brand and your experience has a positive effect on the candidates that you are trying to lure in or get for your company. Those are the small things that lots of companies don't understand or they don't care. Or it's a combination of both. But we do not have enough recruiters to do the proper job because... They don't want to work in our industry. And honestly, I do not blame them. It's sometimes it's just crazy. A great segue into our last question. We're hearing a lot about recruiters getting laid off right now, especially in the tech <laughs> industry. Uh, and this is what we saw in 2020 as well. During the start of pandemic, recruiters are the canary in the coal mine, as we've said many times. Yep. There is really good recruiters out there that are going to be looking for a job. What's your advice to those right now that are in the job search market? 
the same that I'm telling every job seeker, just network. The opportunity is out there. A lot of recruiters now are posting, hey, I'm just joined the company. They are announcing the new jobs. The opportunities are definitely out there. You also need to build your network and work your, on your network. What does so, networking mean to you? Because yeah, networking is different means... In Europe? That- yeah, no. there's a lot of people that treat networking. Okay, I need a job. I'm going to start spamming everyone that I know on LinkedIn, especially recruiters, to have a conversation with them. Yeah, it's more like reaching out to hiring managers, leaders within the, the, the companies where you would like to work and asking them like, hey, I just want to extend my network. Maybe you have some opportunity because I'm currently looking for a job or in the future, I just want to stay in contact and provide some value to the company, to the people. So posting on LinkedIn is something that will help you to you know put yourself in from the bigger audience. One of the posts that I shared recently, I got probably like, 800,000 views. 800,000? Yeah, for a post. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for one, I've got 10 millions. Today, I post a joke and I received 127 invitations from people. This is how you build a network. I also prepare how to improve your networking. Uh, it's a free on, on my site. And those are small things that will help get you the visibility. Yeah, Because if you have the visibility, someone somewhere will be like, oh, that's interesting. I would like to know more about that person. But networking is not something that you will do only when you search for a job. It's something that you should be doing the entire life. That's the reason why I choose writing articles. Because even if I die, then those articles will be there hopefully forever. But right now, people who are discovering articles I wrote, or five years ago, they were terrible, but still they are there. I'm trying to embrace it, even that some of them were really terrible, but they are there. People will read that and they will check my profile. They will go to my blog. They will see what I'm doing. And from that, they will know my name. So if I approach them, they would be reacting very similar way, like the person I spoke with. Hey, I know you, even that we do not know each other, but that's the power of networking. Your brand is connected with the company and the company brand is connected with your brand. But if you leave the company and you don't have any brand because you were working for Apple and now you are not working for Apple and you don't have any brand, that's the problem. You're nobody. Yeah. You're nobody. You're nobody. You should be working yeah. on your brand. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to start TikTok and doing the crazy things to get visibility, but the small things could help. You could so, start a podcast, big... right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's working. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing, Jan, is you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I wrote about 120 blog articles all about recruiting. And when I go back and read them, I cringe. However, (laughs) it took me writing 120 of them, getting lots of content, kept posting them, and you get better over time, but you've got to start somewhere. Yep. I think what stops people from truly networking, like you say, where you are not just liking someone's comment, you're actually contributing and responding in some way, rather than be intimidated by the idea of having to come up with 120 topics for blog articles. No, where you start is just simply saying something intelligent and constructive 
on a conversation that's going on in LinkedIn. Great place to start. Fear yep. of judgment then, from other people is the number one it, reason yes. why people don't post or create oh, anything. Oh, I absolutely agree with you because the first article that I've ever posted, I sent it to one of the, let's say, influencer in our industry. He was kind enough. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing. And that was a really good boost for me because some random people from LinkedIn was like, oh, that's nonsense. It's shit. That's rum. And if I only see that comment, yeah. I will probably never going to continue writing. But the little boost from the person that I admire, or at least I believe he knows the art industry, that was the boost that helped me to write and continue writing. So that's the reason why when people approach me with their articles asking me for feedback, I'm always saying that my feedback is always brutal. I can't sugarcoat things. So if you ever ask for my feedback, some people will probably cry, but I'm always trying to provide a feedback that will help, like constructive feedback and help, but I'm also trying to be supportive because yeah. if you are supportive, it's like water to your flowers. I want to be that water. I want to be there for people and help them to continue with their efforts because there is nothing worse than killing a dream of somebody because the words have power and we need to understand it. And I prefer to provide feedback, but also encourage people to continue, not just, hey, your posts suck. That's evil. Yeah, really good advice across the board. We really appreciate you coming on. If anyone is listening and wants to know more about Jan and your books, Full Stack Recruiter, which if you're a recruiter, you need to go get it because if you don't have it, you're missing out. It's one of those books that you have next to you on your desk and you use it almost on a daily basis. And for anyone listening, and I think this is for recruiters as well, definitely go get the job search guide, be your own career coach. You can get the book on Amazon, anywhere else you can get it. Well, I self-publish the book. It should be definitely on Amazon uh, or other shops out there. Anyone wants to get a hold of you, ask you questions, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you? LinkedIn, contact form, Twitter, don't use Facebook. I really don't like when strangers approach me on Facebook. Usually they are scammers. Twitter, LinkedIn, my site, every site that I build has a contact form and I'm trying to answer when I have the time. If they don't get any answer, they can always ping me on LinkedIn like, hey, Jan, why not responding? And I will be like, sorry. <laughs> and where Perfect. can job seekers find the newsletter? Uh, it's on newsletter.jobsearch.guide. That is the link. And on job search dot guide they can find some free stuff like email templates for job seekers connection template request the uh, online newsletter for how to improve your networking we'll put the links in the show notes so all our yeah. listeners can definitely find it thanks again i think the Thank second you. time this year we started january we're kind of bookending the year with <laughs> you so really appreciate you taking the time and coming on anytime flex mm -hmm. thank you for inviting me and thank you for all you do for the community Jan. thank you How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.